Well, you know, there, there's the old idea. <clears throat> Take what works for you and leave the rest alone. Each teaching that, you know, each teaching at best, or anyone's teaching, that is um, a useful teaching. <laughs> there, there's confused teaching also, or harmful teaching. But helpful teaching that truly can be useful will not be useful to everyone. It'll be useful to those whose present process uh, is resonant with the uh, focus of that particular teaching. Uh, Gautama's teaching is to people who are seeking complete and perfect enlightenment, unbinding, and really freedom from all desire and experience and suffering. Freedom from it all. It's definitely not appropriate to us or to each person listening. Some of it is, some of it isn't. <clears throat> uh, yet, uh, to me, it's a sound and critical and profoundly valuable teaching of the way. Uh, I acknowledge that I'm not uh, at the same point on the way as some of those or those in the audience to whom these essential teachings are directed in terms of seeking uh, complete and perfect awakening and unbinding and knowledge and vision of release because we're not, I'm not, and I think none of us are, <clears throat> uh, committed to this level of transformation this lifetime. But uh, this is a teaching of the way up the mountain. There are different ways up the mountain, but this surely, to me, is a teaching that shows one way up the mountain to the summit or to the goal of complete and perfect awakening or freedom from rebirth in the octave. Just like Jesus was teaching a way to heaven or a way to the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, meaning, I think, fourth density, four depositive. So <clears throat> there's an understanding of a true teaching that truly does show a way to a certain critical, important goal, like for depositive harvestability or freedom from rebirth in third density, Jesus, Yeshua, or freedom from the octave or complete and perfect enlightenment and unbinding. So I can appreciate that, and the same thing with Nityananda's teaching, that vairagya is critical for spiritual progress. Yes. Then there is <clears throat> the um, relevance of that teaching to me right now. Well, <clears throat> I wouldn't throw out the teaching, but I would certainly recognize uh, I can't make full use of the teaching. If it's you know a teaching of uh, complete freedom from worldly worldly attachment or desire, or a teaching of uh, being a monk in the forest who seeks only complete and perfect unbinding and knowledge and vision of release, I realize that's not where I'm at. But uh, there are other good teachings that are helpful. So it doesn't it it's absolutely unnecessary or not inevitable that looking at a teaching that shows the path from uh, the valley to the summit uh, does not necessarily lead me to suppression of my desires or my process. There's no, it's, it's not that the teaching makes me uh, avoid myself or deny or suppress my process because I want to be good, good boy and on, their pa on the path and say, yes, yes, I'm doing it. I can acknowledge I have certain desires. 
or I have all these desires, or I'm hungry, or I can't uh, be a perfect disciple. So it's not that the, the recognition that this is a valid path from the valley to the summit in and of itself doesn't, um, doesn't lead to, to mental suppression or self, you know, avoidance or subjugation of my desires. If, I, if that happens, it's done by me, but I don't do it. What I'm saying is <clears throat> one can be very honest about where one's at and acknowledge uh, I can't make full use of this teaching because uh, it presupposes some development that's beyond me or beyond my willingness to seek in this lifetime. No problem. And then there are other teachings associated with desire, like I've been saying. And Ra talks about too. The proper role for the entity in third density, experience all things desired. <clears throat> the value of following through with your desire. And then the, valuing, the value of restraint in speech and conduct when the desire may harm other or self, and the value of experiencing it mentally and distilling love light from that or making a distillation from that. So uh, I can acknowledge that this is a teaching of one path from the valley to the summit, <clears throat> and I'm not intending to walk all the way, but it does indeed go all the way, and some portion of this teaching I can make use for myself, and what I can't, I admit that I can't, because I admit and accept that um, I have worldly desires that I'm not willing to get rid of yet either. And then I think that's a very fair, a fair integration of all that teaching. Because I know to understand your point, but because each teaching cannot express all teachings and all levels of useful guidance for everyone at every stage of their own development, uh, that's why it's valuable to look at multiple sources, and that's why ultimately people have to choose what fits now uh, while acknowledging the, the, that it may be a valuable teaching for where I'm not yet, but I'm going to remain true to where I am. I'm going to be honest about where I am, and I can't apply all these teachings right now, or I don't want to, because um, I have uh, other desires than to you know than than the goals of any particular teaching, and so it's uh, taking what's useful uh, while acknowledging what's also perhaps beyond us or beyond our current point of development. I don't think that I mean I think that everybody's going to react in a different way. Some people will dogmatically accept and then suppress their process. Some people will dogmatically refuse the whole thing. Some people will take it and contemplate it. Uh, and I think it's quite individual. It's an important point in terms of um, uh, <clears throat> tailor uh, the integration of any teaching with our own personal needs for continued development at any one point uh, along our way. So... Uh, what I, I think it's very useful overall to uh, see teachings of the of the entire way, like Gautama gives in a very detailed, very very Indic philosophical, logical, analytical presentation. These the the stages of purification, building one upon the other, and the path to total freedom. And I I definitely don't encourage any kind of dogmatic 
rejection or subjugation of one's process or dishonesty with one's process. And so there are other teachings that are saying, go for it. <laughs> That's the worldly consumer Nike um, exhortation. But there's also mm, all desires are proper for the entity at the, at the right time and they fall away naturally by distilling love light from them or the experiencing of consequences. So, and, and we, I don't think, it's just not possible to teach, to give any teaching that perfectly dovetails with everybody who may be listening. And generally people will self-select and leave. But uh, for me personally, I, I really like to see, even though I may remain in the valley or partly up the mountain, I really like to see the multiple paths up to the summit and and to hear from those who've finished and, and are near the summit or at the summit. I think it's just very helpful. And I don't suppress my process, or I try not to, <clears throat> uh, because it's okay to admit um, I'm seeking a lesser pleasure than the pleasure of complete unbinding and perfect awakening. That's okay. Well, it also is, I mean, <clears throat> the, the um, looking backwards or looking back to historical sources of spiritual teaching and um, finishing um, finishing unfinished business and withdrawing a bit into our own transformative process, a bit non, non-connected to society. This is definitely more associated with sixth density wanderers at the last incarnation than a fourth density wonder preparing for heaven on earth, right? <clears throat> I mean, I've always said how to know the difference between the fourth and sixth density wanderer. The sixth density, the, the fourth density wanderer, says, "This could be such a beautiful planet. Let's work together to make this a beautiful planet. I trust that this will be a beautiful planet and civilization in the future." And the sixth density wanderer says, "I'm really tired. Get me out of here." And so, <clears throat> the sixth density wanderer is looking forward to homecoming. The fourth density wanderer is looking forward to making paradise on earth. That's how I see it. Yeah, and and I mean, well, choosing, I mean, I think the crystallized healer has no will. At a certain level, <clears throat> to me, means that one is so free of very various forms of personal desiring that um, open-hearted acceptance and clear mind discernment and stability and awareness of unity is so well developed that one uh, doesn't really experience a question of should I do this or that. Like the Council of Saturn uh, uh, teaching or all teaching about the Council of Saturn where there's only... Um, <clears throat> periodically a need for thought present when they have a certain decision to make and there's disagreement or there's some question then they then there's a need for thought present but normally they're in perfect harmony all the time only sometimes there's less than perfect harmony and then a need for thought is present and that uh, achievement of um, transpersonal um, transparency, <laughs> non-obstructive mind awareness, that, that mind is 
consistently steady, non-obstructive, with perfection of love wisdom. I mean, it's beyond our level, but uh, it's something we can consider as a future or we may experience sometimes. It's just natural to do the right thing or what we do is just fine. Now, uh, that it it it's a, it's not unusual that if we perceive there's a choice which means we're not in perfect you know green blue indigo development okay we perceive there's a choice or we experience this and can look at this okay there's a testing here that we choose to go the more personal self-centered desiring worldly attached way that's okay uh, i could meditate but i don't want to i could uh, meditate for another half hour, but I don't want to. Okay, then don't. And you'll experience the consequences. And the consequences may be nothing much. Like, <laughs> I'm not in hell, I'm not in terrible suffering. I just don't have the benefit of the extra 30 minutes. Okay, well maybe I'm fine this way. Or maybe I have some worldly type desire for this or that. Okay, go go for it. <laughs> See what happens. And, and that's akin to Ross teaching. That all desires are appropriate for the entity at, at their, you know, at any particular time. And they'll fall away naturally, which is exactly what happens. So, um, if we're perceiving a choice, then we may consider that we're perceiving a test. Then the need for thought is present, and then we give it our best shot with understanding and make the best choice we can. And if we see that there's a higher choice, but we want to take what's called lower, or Gautama says this, Nityananda says this, and they talk about fewness of wants, or vairagya, detachment from worldliness, and we have desires for worldliness, or strong wants, and we wish to go with it, okay, go with it. And we'll experience the consequences, which may not be so terrible, or maybe pretty good. Okay, no problem. It's about um, making the path your own, I think, and um, treating yourself kindly rather than being dogmatic or suppressive. So you mean attachment equals orientation? Yeah, well you can say that attachment is a form of orientation. Attachment, whether there's an emotional desiring or a mental preference or any focused attention, so there's, uh, I'm focusing my attention on the tree outside my window, I'm attaching perception and conception to that supposed object outside there called a tree. I've oriented my attention by way of that perceptual attachment. Uh, and I'm focused on this or that. That focus is a form of attachment. It's an attachment of consciousness or attention in the moment. And that therefore orients attention. So attachment uh, is one, is is um, the effect of orientation. They go both ways. So when you attach to something, if we call that, it depends on how you define attachment, right? So there's desiring as attachment. There is um, the focus of attention as uh, an attachment too. A temporary attaching of attention or perception upon an object. <clears throat> okay? So uh, focus of attention... Uh, desiring, even thinking of anything, 
could be called um, a temporary attachment or attaching. That attaching of mind or attention, perception, or thought or desire, uh, surely orients the mind that way. Uh, orients us towards the object of attachment or the object of focus, for sure. So you can say that attachment orients attention. <laughs> um, not from the orient, but is an orientation of attention or focus and desire and valuation. So yes, it, it has all those... The, 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 the nature of attachment is surely to orient the person to that which they're attached to, attaching to, or focused upon, for sure. Yes. That's right. Well, that's very subtle and very important, very interesting. <clears throat> In uh, For third density human consciousness, uh, there is right attachment, healthy, necessary attachment uh, to either a loved one, or to a stable sense of self, <laughs> right? That's called third density self-consciousness. When that devolves, um, it goes to dissociation, depersonalization, uh, dissociative disorder, psychosis. Without love, um, the child may become psychotic. <laughs> yeah. And depersonalization, while it can be called a detachment, um, represents a, a failure to uh, adequately stabilize the third density sense of self. Now, as the soul goes up to sixth density, uh, the wise use of detachment becomes increasingly important. And so there's spiritual detachment that is necessary on the path from third to sixth density. And then there is um, healthy, necessary, psychological, developmentally required attachment to a stabilized self-consciousness or sense of self that's necessary to continue in third density um, as, as a psychologically healthy person, for sure. Now, at the higher level, or in the, in the, the development beyond third density, or beyond third chakra, or particularly moving from blue-green to indigo, right? There's a big difference between blue-green and indigo, meaning what I call the transpersonal chakras of mind, blue-green, 5-4, 4-5, and 6, spirit complex, uh, the law of one. You know, the law of one is a... It, it's just an elementary initial phrase. We'll have to understand that it's unified consciousness, freedom from duality, and, and in that, there is a... To get to that, <clears throat> to to be uh, <clears throat> in in a stable condition, because it's just a condition of a unified consciousness or the unified self, or self as light. Ross said they experience self as light, and that's the state of unified self consciousness or unified consciousness beyond dualism, duality. There's a necessary depersonalization and dissociation. Uh, and detachment, or detachment from identifications. Identification as a body, identification as a mind, identification as a separate entity, right? And moving towards understanding anatta, Buddhism. That uh, for people with inadequate, stabilized self-consciousness, 
is why sometimes people who go into ashrams or uh, monasteries or do deep practice become psychotic because they're uh, spiritually detaching or transpersonally dissociating beyond separative identity while there's significant lower blockage, lower triad blockage that is associated with inadequate, stabilized self-consciousness in third chakra or second, first, second, third chakra awareness. And so, yes, um, for uh, psychological health in third density, one needs, yes, a substantial temporary attachment to stable self-consciousness, self-awareness, a sense of self, a stabilized sense of self. That's definitely attachment. <clears throat> and, um, you know, sunya, meaning the the sense, it's a sense of self, you say. That's why I use the term sense of self, not self. It's a sense of self-consciousness, or it's a stabilized sense of our identity that, yes, on the path, um, is progressively detached from, leading to uh, transpersonality, leading to a healthy dissociation. <laughs> and psychology will, will, you know, take a front, but psychologists can't imagine healthy dissociation. It's called spiritual depersonalization. I mean, what, what is, um, is there a healthy version of anatta? Well, unhealthy anatta is called DID, dissociative identity disorder. So there's healthy anatta, or sunya as well. And Ra talked about when they're going out of sixth density to seven, they'll have no more identity. Freedom from identity. But they're not psychopathic. And they're not psychologically wounded. And there's a stable awareness that um, has a sense of beingness. Uh, but at that level, six to seven, being free of any um, mentally fashioned, conceived identity. So yes, you're picking up on uh, what's psychologically healthy uh, for stable sense of self and third density being attachment and love and, and loving relationships, which are particularly the way of doing that, akin to how animals are individualized second to third density, right? It's investment of love as one means of moving, you know, higher plants and animals into third density harvest, Ross said. Love invests uh, identity. Love stabilizes self-awareness. But then, <laughs> going beyond just fourth chakra love, <clears throat> going to wisdom and indigo, uh, there's progressive detachment and freedom from fashioned separative sense of identity. So anyway, thank you everybody. Um, it's very nice to be together as always. Take good care of yourselves. See you next time and good night.